You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Happy Monday, everybody. This is a pregame Monday Night Football edition. Keys to victory for the 49ers to beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Final injury report for that game. The future of upcoming free agents Richard Sherman and Trent Williams. And what the playoff picture looks like for the 49ers now as we finish up Week 13. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Where to begin? A lot to get to, actually, on today's show. And I think the injury report is a great place to start, and it's not much different from the Friday injury report. If you listen to uh, the show that ended the week, Everybody practicing Saturday, with the exception of Kwan Williams, we already knew he was going to be out in this game. Emmanuel Mosley was limited in practice all week, so still questionable. He would be the first man up at nickel corner if he plays. I think, reading between the lines of what Kyle Shanahan said this weekend, sounds like Mosley's going to play. If not, they have a plan, but he won't say what it is. Uh, he's listed as questionable. Everybody else, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jordan Willis, DJ Jones, uh, some of those COVID-related Debo's, the hamstring, Tevin Coleman is back. So uh, the 49ers getting healthy at a good time right now because this is a really important game with what we saw happen Sunday and the playoff picture around the NFL. Obviously, seven teams are going to make the playoffs in each conference this year, so that's one extra spot that the 49ers have that wouldn't have existed last year. And at 5-6, and six, they came in tied with the Bears and the Vikings. Record-wise, those teams were 8-9-10 and 10 in the standings in the NFC, so on the outside looking in. Chicago Bears lost, so the 49ers jumped from 10-9 to nine without doing anything Sunday. And obviously, the 49ers control a lot of their own destiny. But you're going to watch some scoreboards, too, if you're a 49ers fan. And one game we did see was the the Rams handling the Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinals, at 6-6 now, are tied with the Minnesota Vikings, who narrowly defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't know if that's... I mean, it's good for the Vikings in the standings, and they've got tiebreakers right now. But just as a team... When you look at the Vikings, of all the teams the 49ers have to worry about in the playoff picture, uh, they've already passed the Bears. I I fully expect the Bears to continue to slide in the rankings. So it's Cardinals, it's Vikings, it's Buccaneers. That's 6, 7, 8 right in front of the 49ers right now. And if the 49ers win Monday, they'll be at 6 and 6, tied with the Cardinals and tied with the Vikings for the seventh seed in the NFC. And it felt like the 49ers were a lot further away from the seventh seed than they actually are right now. At 6-6, six and six, the 49ers would be losing the tiebreaker to both of those teams, so they would still be 9. So the 49ers aren't going to be any higher than 9 with tiebreakers, but the Vikings, I don't think their resume is fantastic. Their tiebreaker right now is just best win percentage uh, in the conference over the 49ers. They also have a better uh, win percentage in common games the Cardinals have beaten the 49ers but obviously it's why I said the 49ers can control their own destiny four or five games in the NFC for the 49ers they 
have a chance to to play the Cardinals and beat the Cardinals. It's a game they're going to have to win if they want to get into the playoffs. So that'll take care of itself against the Cardinals as far as uh, that game goes and and head-to-head with that tiebreaker. And if the Vikings are taken to overtime by the 1-11 now Jaguars, and it took a Mike Glennon interception in overtime for the Vikings to win that game, I don't think that's the team the Niners necessarily need to worry about. Now, of course... The Vikings could go on a run and still win a bunch of games, but I think the tiebreaker will play itself out, and I think the records will play itself out. And I think if the 49ers win a bunch of games, they're going to be ahead of the Vikings. So to me, the two teams that, I mean, and you're going to be watching the Vikings scoreboard all season long, but the two teams, the 49ers really need to lose some games, and of course the 49ers have to beat when they play, is the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Buccaneers are on a bye in week 13. So they're going to sit at seven and five, no matter what, and, and be in that sixth seed when the week is over. But the 49ers will be in a tie for the final seed in the playoffs this week if they win on Monday Night Football. And that's wild. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, it felt like the 49ers were so far out of the playoff picture. And they're right there. They are in it. And then at six and six, you could end up 10 and six, you could end up nine and seven, and you could start to see how. A 9-7 and seven record actually might be enough to get that last seed in the NFC playoff picture, but you might need tiebreakers at that point. So winning out and going 10-6, and six, that's the way in for the 49ers for sure. And that first step is beating the Buffalo Bills on Monday. I'll talk a little bit more on how that could happen for San Francisco. Uh, another th- development that happened, which was... I think I think the Seahawks are too far away for the 49ers, and uh, they are now not in first place because of tiebreakers. The Los Angeles Rams are eight and four as well after the Rams beat the Cardinals, and the Seahawks lost to the New York Giants. The Giants are now the four seed because they'll because they're a division leader. If they hold on to that and win the division, the division winners are the first four seeds in the conference despite records. So at 5-7 and seven right now, the New York Giants would have the four seed, and whoever wins the NFC East will have the four seed. Tiebreakers bumped the Rams up to three. The Seahawks are now the five seed in the NFC at 8-4, and four, which is pretty wild. And that was a game I did not see coming. Russell Wilson really blowing his chances at an MVP award with his play over the last month or so and uh, the Giants defense doing a number on that Seattle Seahawks offense and and beating Seattle that I, that was just a game I did not see coming 17 to 12 that, that's just an ugly score I think just just those numbers 17 to 12 can tell you how that game looked all 17 of the Giants points came in the second half in Seattle beating the Seahawks so that that was a very uh very interesting game there. And it's also telling that any team can beat any team in the NFL. And that was the Giants playing with their backup. That was the Colt McCoy Giants, too, beating the Seahawks. And I know for most of the listeners out there, it's fun to watch the Seahawks lose. But the, the teams that 49ers fans are really going to be rooting against the next few weeks, it's the, those teams I mentioned that are right in front of the 49ers for that seven seed and or maybe the sixth seed even in the NFC playoffs, that's the Cardinals, the Vikings, and the Buccaneers. And I would put them in the order of Cardinals, Buccaneers, Vikings for how hard you're rooting against those teams. And then you can slide the Seattle Seahawks in there behind them if you want. And uh, those Week 16 and 17 games against the Cards and the Seahawks are looming. This NFC 
race. This 2020 season, as December continues, just got a lot more interesting this weekend, and the 49ers can force that issue even more if they beat the Bills, end up 6-6, six and six, and we've got a three-way tie for that seven seed in the NFC playoffs. Woo, that'll, that'll make for a really fun final four games of the season. Now, the 49ers can still lose the Bills game and win out from there and sneak into the playoffs. And if there's one game to lose, it would be the AFC team because the 49ers are going to want to win those games against NFC opponents to help that tiebreaker as well. So let's say the 49ers have to lose one game the rest of the way. It would be the Bills game. The 49ers season isn't over if they lose to the Bills, but it would be, first of all, it would show that they can beat a good team that is a, that is a playoff team, that is a, a good team that's not named the Los Angeles Rams because it's the only other good team they've beaten this year. But it would make the path a whole lot easier if they're able to beat the Bills, have a couple of easy opponents. Uh, as we know, though, the Seahawks found out this week not every opponent is easy. As the Vikings found out, they almost lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. As the Raiders found out, they almost lost to the New York Jets. It was a crazy Sunday of football that was really fun to watch when I didn't really have to take a ton of notes with a 49ers game, as I will on Monday night against the Bills. So the playoff picture, quite interesting right now. It's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch. And even more fun if the 49ers are able to knock off the Bills this week. Some interesting comments over the weekend from Trent Williams about his future with the 49ers, from Richard Sherman about his future with the 49ers, from Kyle Shanahan, who had the most football guy answer ever to a question at his final presser of the week, and Kerry Hyder earning Respect. Coming up. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Things are shutting down again in a lot of counties. We're seeing that right now with the 49ers. Uh, You can go support your favorite restaurants still utilizing DoorDash. Can't stress enough how important small businesses are and going to those as much as you can and the best way to right now and be safe about it is uh, utilize DoorDash to go bring you some food from your favorite restaurants back to you in your home right to your door ordering is super easy open the DoorDash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be safely left outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting And the best part is right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Richard Sherman talking with... Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area uh, said this about whether or not he will be back with the 49ers in 2021. Quote, we've had brief conversations. I think that there's obviously a want from both sides to come back and make this work. Unfortunately, I don't know that the circumstances will allow it. That's the sad, sad truth. It's one of those years where it's not from anybody's fault that it may not work out. And it will be sad parting because I've really enjoyed my time here. I've enjoyed this team. I have brothers on this team. And I think we will, we still have work to do, 
but I don't know that the circumstances will allow it, end quote. That was Richard Sherman's comments on coming back in 2021. And it's something I've talked about for a while because it hurt Richard Sherman that when he was out, there was players that showed that they could play at his position. Mosley and Verrett proved that they can be the starters there and will, will come a lot cheaper than Sherman. And now the 49ers are going to be thin at corner. They're going to have to draft and, and they're going to have to bring in some cheap talent. But what Sherman should get on the open market is something the 49ers probably won't be able to pay. And, and that's the key here. It's not that the 49ers wouldn't want him back. It's that with a shrinking salary cap, they're going to have to make some hard, hard decisions. And Sherman's 10 plus million dollar per year salary is one of those that it's going to be difficult to fit on the books, especially when you consider how much time he's missed and, and where he might be physically in his career. And do you sign him as a corner and then suddenly he's a safety? So it's not 100%, but you know Sherman understands the game. He knows exactly what's going on. He represents himself. He negotiated his last contract, and I'm sure he wants to negotiate himself another good contract. And that might have to be with another team unless both sides can make some concessions and make that happen. The 49ers can free up some money which would mean if the 49ers are able to pour a bunch of money into Sherman's salary, they might not be able to bring back Trent Williams. And I think the decision for the 49ers would be pretty simple. They would pay Williams before they would pay Richard Sherman. Williams had this to say this week about coming back in 2021 with the 49ers as a free agent to be. Yeah, I think before I came here, that was one of the things that I pretty much kind of had in my head that this could be a long-term destination for me. And I was, you know, very much okay with that. Um, but obviously that's, that's business that's for 2021. And I'm just kind of trying to keep my mind, you know, cementing in 2020, try to get us into this, to the, to the big dance and try to make another run at it, you know, and then the rest to take care of itself. And that's, what's tough about this business. And that's going to be the reality for a lot of teams with a shrinking salary cap and some players and, and teams might both want to be together, but the players also need to do what's best for them and what's best for their families. It's not like you're going to want to take millions of dollars of discounts, especially when there's not a bunch of money being thrown around from a lot of franchises, potentially this off season and pass up a payday. And Williams and Sherman are two players that will command big salaries in the off season, unless it's such an odd off season with salary caps being in strange places that there's a lot more players that are willing to take one-year deals. I wonder if the 49ers could work it out. Will they do a couple of one-year deals with those guys and and make enough room and are able to structure some things or maybe a two-year backloaded deal with those guys? Do something to where they can spread out the cap hit from 21 into 22 and bring both of those players back. I'd be surprised, and I... I really think the 49ers would lean toward paying Williams first before paying Richard Sherman, even as as impactful as Richard Sherman has been for the 49ers. But there is a chance. There is a possibility they could bring them both back, but it's probably pretty unlikely at this point. And there's going to be some other tough decisions. The uh, guy we're going to hear from in a second, Kerry Hyder, might be playing his way out of a 49ers contract because he's playing too good, the Niners are going to have to pay potentially a starter salary for a defensive end when they might not be able to afford to pay a starting defensive end. They need to pay a backup defensive end in Kerry Hyder. But before we get to Kerry Hyder, uh, I, I wanted to play Trent Williams' comments about Kyle Shanahan. And uh, it's it's been a pretty common 
refrain from a, a lot of players on the 49ers. They they love playing for Coach Kyle, and it sounds like Trent Williams does too. It's his second run playing with Kyle Shanahan. Probably one of the better coaches I've been around and just relating to his guys and being um, really detailed and not just thinking about life on the football field, but he, he definitely helps life off the football field, and he he does a great job of, of like, <clears throat> kind of revealing himself to you, um, you know, that, to kind of show, show us that he, he's human. He's not speaking down to us. He's speaking to us, um, you know, from, from the same level. And I think just that, that personal, personable, you know, characteristic that he has, I think it just allows everybody to, to just play hard for him and continue to hang on every word and just, Try to we you know we try to do whatever we can to make him proud, man. He he's he definitely has our back, um, you know. And nobody in this locker room has ever questioned that. And uh, you know, just for him to just take that stand and say, hey, we understand that it's going to be tough mentally, just being out here, not physically or you know, um, but just being away from from everybody, being away from their families, being away from their kids, especially during the holiday season. For him to acknowledge how, how tough that that will be. And, you know, it just kind of gives us comfort to know, you know, it's just not one of those coaches say, Hey, we're football players with men get over it. You know, at the end of the day, this is a real life situation and, and guys go through real life things, no matter how big and strong you look on the outside. And Williams is one of those players. He went through some real stuff last year, missed all of 2019, had the cancer scare. And then now there's the COVID situation, which he just had to deal with and had some symptoms and had to come back from that and then jump into a game Williams went into some detail about what that was like being on the COVID reserve list and dealing with that mentally and then with symptoms physically and getting ready to play again. Yeah, of course. Of course it was. Um, and, and being asthmatic and having a history of asthma and then the cancer on top of it. Yeah, like I said before, I think the first the first week, a little bit more, um, you know, it was more taxing on me mentally than it was physically just not knowing the depths that it could go to and, you know, just coming off of the year I had in 19 where, you know, things didn't really go my way. Um, you know, I was kind of expecting this COVID deal to take the same turn, but, you know, luckily I'm blessed, man. I got through it, um, you know, with little to none effects from it now. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful, man. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there who, who, who battled this this virus and you know and then and it didn't end so well for him. So I never wanna wanna um, overlook that. But yeah, as you say, the last couple of years have been pretty pretty challenging. But you know, I'm standing here, so I'm blessed. You know, one of the things I didn't know about Trent Williams when the 49ers traded for him, he's he's a more thoughtful guy than I expected him to be. You know, he's this big physical brute and this big specimen, and he kind of talked about that. Like sometimes you don't see the not even the softer side of an athlete, but just, you know, the thoughtfulness, like he's not some big old goon out there playing ball. It's probably why Kyle Shanahan likes him so much. And John Lynch did so much work trying to get him in, not just because of his talent. And it's been one theme for the 49ers. They really try to bring in good people. They try to bring in high character guys. And Trent Williams uh, might be somebody that I was sleeping on with what kind of a dude he is. I really enjoy listening to him speak. And seems to really fit in character-wise with the program and with the, the locker room for San Francisco. He also gave a bunch of credit to a couple of his line mates in Colton McKivitz and Lake and Tomlinson. He talked about how Lake and Tomlinson has all pro 
potential and how consistency has been a huge factor for him this year and how well he's playing. And he really thought that Colton McKivitz, even though he got beat a couple times, uh, held his own against Aaron Donald last week, or at least did as well as you could expect a rookie could against Aaron Donald. One more player who's been invaluable to the 2020 49ers defense, a player I'm sure the 49ers will try hard to re-sign this offseason. Hopefully he hasn't played his way out of the 49ers budget, and that is Kerry Hyder. And Hyder was asked the question if he has been successful reaching his goals in 2020. Only goal I had was the, to kind of garner some respect amongst the league. And uh, I never had like a number of goal or anything like that. So I think I'm able to, to start and play games. I think that I, I'm able to do that. So that's the only goal I had. So you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he was successful in that goal. And that's part of the problem maybe is uh, earned too much respect around the league, potentially for the 49ers to afford. Now, I think the 49ers will be able to re-sign Kerry Hyder. I think he just fits in so good with the way Chris Kosarek's defensive line likes to play. I love the hustle. I don't think teams are going to be lining up to throw a ton of money at him. So he might get a little bit more money than the 49ers maybe expected when the 2020 season started, but I think it's well-earned money. And then the 49ers will have to decide, okay, well, could we let him walk? And then hopefully his production will be replaced next year by Ronald Blair coming back. Or do we want to try to bring them both back and have a nice bit of depth because we don't really know who's going to be playing the other side with Nick Bosa when he comes back, are they going to dip into draft early potentially for more of a, a speedy edge rusher? So there's a lot of different ways things will go. And, and just so many questions and so many decisions the 49ers will have to make on the roster in the offseason. A couple of quotes from Kyle Shanahan and the keys to victory to beating the Buffalo Bills coming up. Do you want 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Well, listen up. I'll tell you how you can get a tasty treat, a protein bar that tastes like candy bar for 20% off. Right now, I'm staring at uh, a box of Built Bars that I built myself. You can mix and match three flavors. I love the peanut butter. I also wanted to try some other flavors, so I went with toffee almond and one of the six new flavors, cookies and cream. 130 calories in the cookies and cream flavor, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. It is fantastic. Other new flavors like caramel brownie, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. My favorite is peanut butter that I always talk about. Bars are covered in, this is the best part, 100% chocolate, not a brown colored flavored chocolate weird coating. It's legit chocolate. And it's delicious. I, I don't understand how they make these built bars taste so good and be low calorie and low sugar the way they are, but it's genius. Soft and easy to chew. Health conscious folks will like built bars, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a treat. And it's even great for a keto diet. Oh, yeah. And that 20% off. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code locked on. For 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Just a couple notes from Kyle Shanahan here, and it's been a little while since we've seen Akella Witherspoon on the field. The coach was asked about Witherspoon uh, being active, what kind of role he will have in the 49ers defense, and why he's been a healthy scratch recently. 
Um, I mean, Spoon has played it for us. I mean, we've been with Spoon since our first year here and um, got to play a lot. I mean, last year I thought he played at his highest level before he got injured, um, was playing very well. And then when he came back, um, struggled to come back from that injury, um, gave opportunity to some other guys. And since this camp, um, you know, we started off with a, t- a competition between Spoon, Mosley, and JV. Um, JV got um, wasn't quite ready to go at first, and Mosley won that position. And when you're not out there as a starter and then – and then when Mosley got hurt and JV came, JV ended up being ready and he, he ended up winning that. So those two guys just went ahead of him. And after that, you got to make sure you put out the best special teams guys. And um, that wasn't Akello's best area. Uh, he's working to get better. Um, but that's why we got other guys up. Ken Webster came in and did a better job for us on special teams. He got hurt. Um, I've loved how Akello's been in these three weeks. I know it's hard anytime you're not active, um, but he hasn't. I think he's been getting better while he hasn't been up. He's, his attention to detail, whether it's on defense or special teams, has been great. Um, and now there's been some injuries, and so he's going to get up. Um, he's always a play away from getting out there and playing more as a starter. Um, but now we're going to need him on special teams until that happens. So um, I'm just happy that um, – I know it's been hard on him, but I'm just happy how hard he's worked. So now his time's coming again, and I think he's more prepared for this moment. Yeah, it's tough for Witherspoon. He gets beat out. He's not a starter, so he doesn't have a role there. And then there's other guys that are better on special teams than him, so he doesn't have a role at all. And there are guys that, you know, athletically maybe, and, you know, draft pedigree-wise, don't have any business being active over him. But there was no role for him to play. And obviously there's not a ton of trust from the coaching staff in Akella Witherspoon. And now Witherspoon's got an opportunity to play for a contract potentially with another team. And if you... You know, and, and Shanahan said a lot of nice things about Kayla Witherspoon there, but it's pretty clear by their actions that they don't have a ton of faith in him and he's not going to be a high priority for the team. And and if you're Witherspoon, you probably want to go somewhere else and try to have a fresh start and earn some more playing time with another team. Although the 49ers, I mentioned that depth with Richard Sherman. If Richard Sherman walks, the 49ers might need to try to bring Witherspoon back just to know that they have a player who can fit in their system that knows the system that they can trust to, and he's played some starters reps, and he's played some good football for the 49ers in the past, and, and they're going to need some depth. So I don't think he closed the door quite yet on Akella Witherspoon, and he's got a chance to to show something the last few weeks and, and potentially be active here for a little bit as the 49ers are down quite a few corners. And if Mosley can't play, then you know he's, he's one step closer to uh, playing a big role for the 49ers, maybe even Monday night. With no Kwan Williams, no Jamar Taylor, Ken Webster now out as well. But I've talked about it. I like Mosley, and I like his role potentially being in the slot with Verrett and Sherman in the outside and Tarvarius Moore and Jimmy Ward at safety. I, I like that rotation for the 49ers as a starting unit. So I'm not super worried, even though things are starting to get pretty thin at corner. If all those guys are healthy and out there, I think the 49ers are going to be able to cover people. And I think they'll be able to cover pretty good receivers the Buffalo Bills, specifically Stephon Diggs, like he's a big one. And I think the 49ers will be up to that task. Before I get to some other tasks that make my keys to victory, one more quote from Kyle Shanahan. This is just a total football guy answer. And it's it's almost unbelievable with how much time they puts in that this was his answer to the question of what do you do now when you have downtime in your Arizona hotel room? Sometimes I, it's kind of pathetic, but on downtime, downtime, I enjoy watching film um, that I'm not stressed out trying to finish something. Sometimes it's nice to just turn on a tape and not feel like you have to, 
go against a deadline where you can just watch another team or watch a, a different type play or something that um, you can't get around to in a normal work week because uh, you're doing so much associated with getting the game plan in and then you try to get home um, to your house at night um, in time before you have to drive right back. But since we're already at our house, there's not a rush. So when you're done with your work, sometimes it's nice to just put other stuff on. It's kind of fun to watch. I've always enjoyed watching football and it's more fun when you're, you're doing it um, just because you don't have anything else to do at the time. That was a pretty bad answer, but there's not anything else to do. I'd rent movies in our room, but no new movies are coming out. It's been the same stuff on there since I saw in last year's hotels. You know, it's a good point about the movies. I never really thought about that. If you're on the road and you are uh, living the hotel life, there's there's no nothing new. Like if you knocked out all those movies and the 49ers are playing a lot of games through January, yeah, not a lot of new content for you to watch. I'm starting to run into a little bit of that with my streaming services. Just go pop on the film, I guess. But it's crazy how much work he puts in and how much film he has to watch and prepare for that when he gets some free time, he just puts on more film. That's uh, that's just a classic coach answer. And I, I'm, I guarantee he's 100% honest with that answer too. More time for him to be a mad scientist in his laboratory of a, of a hotel room See what kind of wrinkles he comes up with against this Buffalo Bills team. Well, let's get into those keys to victory. What are the things, and, and I'm not talking X's and O's here, about what the 49ers have to do. These are some pretty big themes. And Kyle Shanahan talked about one of these things earlier in the week, or at the end of last week, actually, and it was even unprovoked. He wasn't even asked about this specific thing, but it came out in his answer because it was obviously wearing on him, and I think it's key in this game I talked about earlier in the week as well that a game script like the Rams win last week isn't the way that the 49ers are going to win a bunch of games this year they can't count on the other team turning the ball over and just giving it back to them more times than they turn it over so turnovers is my number four key to victory here for the 49ers it probably should be higher it maybe should be number one but I've got it fourth on my list I've got four keys to victory here to beat the Buffalo Bills and it's turnovers the 49ers, and it's, you know, plus whatever it was. The 49ers on the season are minus four, and they're minus 10 in their losses. They're plus six in their wins. And it's, and I'm mostly looking at Nick Mullins when I say this. You can't be throwing a bunch of interceptions because I don't think those interceptions are going to be coming the other way in this game. Not like they were with Jared Goff's picks and, and his fumble. The 49ers have a number on Goff. And the 49ers could play Josh Rosen well in this game too, but you know you can't expect them to give you those three turnovers. So the 49ers have to protect the ball. There was the Mostert fumble from uh, the Aaron Donald getting that early penetration. You don't put a ton of that on Mostert, but you know again, you got to hold on to the ball, Mostert. You can't give the ball up to the other team, but I think it's mostly about Mullins. If At the end of this game, if Mullins has fewer turnovers than Josh Rosen, I think that'll be a massive factor in the 49ers winning this game. So, uh, yeah, uh, Coach was right to call that out last week. Turnovers is a major factor for the 49ers winning games because they have to be efficient because they're not going to be blowing any teams out. they got to play good defense, play complementary ball, some pretty old-school you know, football tropes there, but it's the truth with the way this team is playing right now and how they have to win games. And going hand-in-hand hand with that is key to victory number three, which is the offensive line playing well. you got to give Mullins that time. Don't let 
you know, free rushers come from behind and knock the ball out and cause fumbles. Don't get rushers in his face where he can't step in his throws and make good throws that end up ducking in the air and, and getting picked off by the other team. And of course, running the football is the best remedy for everything on the 49ers offense to put them in good down and distance situations so Nick Mullins doesn't have to sit back there in the pocket and make throws 10 yards down the field and pass the sticks with regularity. Uh, you know, I, I think that where these teams are versus the chains on third downs is going to be a massive factor as well. And that is in a lot of games too, you know, but I think in this game specifically 49ers offensive line plays well, the running game is going well. That's going to be huge for the Niners to get the ball to my key to victory. Number two, which is the yak bros. The yak bros need to go off in this game, short passing game, Debo Samuel catch and run. Brandon Ayuk, welcome back. Catch and run, making big plays there. So uh, all, those, all the things I'm talking about right now are really going hand-in-hand hand with the 49ers offense and how they're going to put up points and how they're going to win this game. Win the turnover battle. Offensive line, running the ball, putting Nick Mullins in good down-and-distance situations and, and hopefully not many third downs at all. And then the Acros doing their thing when they do need to count on the passing game and even doing that passing game, which becomes the extended running game on early downs as well to uh, to gain yards and and really put pressure on a Bills team that, as we heard from Joe Marino in the Crossover Thursday episode last week, that is not a very good tackling football team, and that bodes well for the 49ers offense and their strengths. Key to victory number one, though, this is the other side of the ball. I have no doubt that the 49ers are going to do a pretty good job covering the Bills wide receivers. I have no doubt that the 49ers are going to do a pretty good job, and it might not be a dominating performance by the defense or anything like that, but they'll do a really good job of stopping the Bills run game or limiting the Bills run game. So when they do get those more favorable down and distance again, that's why I'm talking about the sticks. I'm talking about the chains and, and, and where these teams are in reference to the chains, especially on third downs will be huge. When they do get those favorable down and distance situations, when they get Josh Rosen Josh Allen. Why do I keep saying Josh Rosen? Josh Allen, who Robert Sala compared to Cam Newton this week, by the way. On third down, they have to corral him. They can't let him make big throws, make big plays, because you do have to defend a lot of the field. And if he has a lot of time, he can make some of those bigger throws down the field, which could really hurt the 49ers. And he could hurt the 49ers with his legs by buying time and finding receivers or running for first downs and keeping the sticks moving and keeping the 49ers defense on the field. Third downs against Josh Allen will make or break this game for the 49ers. If they're able to keep him in the pocket and keep him from running around and making big plays and extending plays, then I think the 49ers can win this football game. The problem is it's been one of the Achilles heels of Robert Sala's defense for the past couple of years is athletic quarterbacks who can move. Can the 49ers get over that hump? Have they learned enough? Are they going to play team defense in a way? Limit Josh Allen's ability to make big plays on the run, whether it's gaining first down with his feet or just extending plays and then making throws late in the down. That will equal, in my opinion, a 49ers W Monday night. It will be fun. I think this game is going to be close. I think this game is going to come down to the last couple minutes of the game. It's going to be three points one way or the other. 49ers, Bills, Monday night football, Playoff hopes alive for San Francisco should be fun. I can't wait, and we'll break it all down again Tuesday right here. Locked on 49ers.